This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Jerry Agar in for John Moore today. This is The Breakfast Wrap for February 6th. Cloudy with a mix of sun and cloud this morning and then temperatures near minus 2. Tonight cloudy and down to minus 4. Tomorrow again cloudy and rain beginning in the morning. Should end in the afternoon with a high of about 6. Tomorrow kicked off the morning here just right around zero. Here are the five things you need to know. 10,000 feared dead after powerful earthquake strikes Turkey and Syria. City Council to decide whether homelessness is a crisis. Osgood Hall trees get a temporary reprieve. The Justice Minister says he's open to bail reform. And Canadian artists clean up at the Grammys. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. John Moore is on vacation. I'm Jerry Agar in for him through the course of this week. I don't know what kind of vacation he's having because I saw on his Twitter feed that the airline lost his luggage, which is uh, all the more amusing in a grim kind of way because of the conversation he and I had on Friday before he left. Because uh, he, he finished his show Friday and I, I do nine to noon. So I was in here getting organized and we chat as uh, as he's leaving and I'm coming in. And I said, when are you leaving? Because if I go on a vacation somewhere, I go right to the airport after the show. <laughs> it's just I crowd in as many hours on vacation as I can. He said, oh, we're leaving tomorrow. I said, really? He goes, well, I got to pack. Okay, well, you could have packed Thursday, but that's up to him. And I said, well, what does that take? 15 minutes? Like, that's what it takes me when I go on vacation, like 15 minutes. And even if I'm going to something where I have to have a suit, you know, I mean, how long can it take? And I do that because I don't want to hand over my luggage in part and also because, you know, more of a slob than he is. Uh, and, and he said, well, I got to have this ready in case of this, and I got to have this, and I got to have that. And in the back of my head, I thought, man, you pack like a woman. Uh, but see, there's Nick, uh, you're looking at me. That's, that's the danger. You put all that stuff that you got to have in a big suitcase and give it to the airline, and there you are. You got nothing. I thought you were channeling the Shania Twain. Man, you pack like a woman. <laughs> well... I mean, there's uh, sure there's guys who pack the way I do and guys who pack the way John does. Okay, but. so there's all sorts of ways to you know pack efficiently. You can look online, but um, I call it the soap opera packing. You know, when she's she's leaving her husband because he cheated on her, uh-huh. and she packs in like five seconds. Everything is like everything is all ready, neat and tidy in the drawer. She puts it in the suitcase. I right. call that the soap opera method of packing. Yeah, that's right. Except. If what you're doing is packing a vacation, she's not leaving him. They're going together. Then it takes three days. That's how that works. Okay, so uh, I know that whenever I take over for John for a little while, some people go, oh, my God, like, what are we going to hear ranting about political issues all morning long? I do the morning show differently than I do my own show because I don't want to hear political ranting at 5 o'clock in the morning. So you guys want to hear a joke? I'm just going to tell you a joke. Here's the thing. I, I, I got something to make you laugh, I hope, and I've got something to make you cry. In the next couple of minutes, I'm going to do both. So, first of all, the joke. Nick, you want to hear a joke or do you want to kibosh this thing? No, no, no. You're a great uh, joke teller. All right. So, this American goes over to Ireland and uh, he's, he's out at the pub and he, he says to the, he gets everybody's attention. It's not that big a pub. And he says, uh, I got 500 American dollars here. He holds up the bills. 500 American dollars. I'm going to make a bet with you. And here, here's the bet against $500 against a couple of Irish pounds, and the cost of 10 Guinness beer. 
And we're going to line those Guinness beer up that you bought. And if you can drink all 10 of them in less than 15 minutes, you get the $500. If you don't, I keep the two Irish pounds and you're out the cost of the beer and whatever beers you didn't drink, I'm just going to hand to some other people in the bar and they'll have a free drink. And a guy at the end of the bar, little Irish guy, jumps off the bar stool and runs out of the bar, out of the pub. Okay. And he looks around. Any takers? Nobody even wants to take this on. Nobody's willing to try. So they just sit there and they get to know the American and they're watching Manchester United play Real Madrid and, and they're all having a good time. And then half an hour later, the guy comes back. The little Irish guy that had left, he comes back and he sits down and he shoves two Irish pounds down the bar to the American and he shovels over a bunch of money to the bartender, line him up. So 10 Guinness beer all lined up on the bar and the guy proceeds. He does like one a minute, 10 minutes, he's done. And the Americans, well, okay, deal's a deal. Good for you. And he hands him the $500 and then he says, but why did you run away? Well, I had to go down to the street, the bar down the street and see if I could do it first. All right, thank you very much. So last night was the Grammys. Uh, try the veal and don't forget to tip your, uh, your servant. Your waitresses, that's right. Okay, so um, last night was the Grammys. And Bonnie Raitt won Song of the Year. So first of all, this is Bonnie Raitt, who, I mean, how long has she been around? Good for me. God bless her for still being around and winning a Grammy last night. And I have to tell you, I didn't know the song. It's called Just Like That. So I started listening to it this morning. And in the beginning, as I'm listening to the song, I'm thinking, okay. But the tune is not, it doesn't grab you the way, like, maybe one of her best-known songs is Let's Give Them Something to Talk About. And if you know that song at all, you've got that tune in your head. Let's, I'm, I won't sing it. I won't inflict my bad singing voice on you. But that's... Um, and so I'm listening to it, and I'm thinking, okay, but the tune is not grabbing me the same way. It's, it's an interesting story about a lady who, had, who lost her son some years ago, and she just can't get past it. She can't find peace. She can't find Jesus. Um, these are things that are in the song, and a guy comes to visit her, and she lets the guy in. She doesn't normally do that, but something in his eyes. And I got to tell you, I hope I can get through this, this lyric. Most songs in popular music make it on tune and beat. Is that fair to say, Nick? Would you say? Yeah. Um, popular country music, the lyric matters more, I think. But in popular non-country music, uh, usually it's uh, the beat, the tune. This lyric got me. I mean, she had me at this lyric. The guy comes into the house and he says to her, I've spent years just trying to find you so I could finally let you know. It was your son's heart that saved me and a life you gave us both. And just like that, your life can change. Look what the angel sent. I lay my head upon his chest and I was with my boy again. Just like that, your life can change. Look what the angel sent. I lay my head upon his chest. I was with my boy again. That's my new favorite song. That was Song of the Year last night from Bonnie Raitt. Yeah, let me save you, Jerry. <laughs> okay. And you know what? This would be an appropriate time for me to push the only sort of 
cause that I push on my show, and that is go to beadonor.ca and sign up to be an organ donor and create a moment like that. Create an extension of life or an extension of the enjoyment of life as a donor. Be a donor. Just like that your life can change. Look what the angels send. I lay my head upon his chest. I was with my boy again. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. John Moore is on vacation for this week. I'm Jerry Yegar filling in. I think later on for me, 9 to noon, it's Deb Hutton and John Tory Jr. I think that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they have some other plan later on. I don't know. It's only my show, so they don't tell me what they're doing. <laughs> that's, how, that's how that works. By the way, I just want to say something as an aside, because I was just thinking this over the last couple of minutes. If you're up and you, you, you're not sleeping because you got some stress, because things aren't moving forward for you, things aren't uh, happening in your life the way that you want them to. I was thinking, because here I am at uh, 5.37 in the morning on News Talk 1010 Toronto, and radio stations, every, every show 24-7 is important, but radio stations put a lot of extra effort and care and concern into the morning show. That's just how it works. And I was just sitting here thinking, you know, when I was in Manitoba struggling to do overnights on CKDM, Dauphin, Manitoba, I had people telling me, you know, you could, you could go into programming or something. Like, you understand this business, but you, you're not going to make it as a host. That's not going to happen for you. I didn't listen to those people. I mean, they could have been right. <laughs> it's just the thing is, I, don't listen to people like that. How many years are you doing this talk radio thing? I started talk radio the first business day of the year 2000. And I was a moderately successful disc jockey before that. They might have been right when it came to being a disc jockey, okay? But then I got into talk radio. But th- my point here is not to say, oh, look look at my career. But I, I've done the two big talk stations in Chicago, the number one talk station in America, New York, WABC. And I've been here now going into, I think, year 14 or something, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, you started uh, February 22nd, 2010. I've marked it on the calendar. I know. You always bring it up every year. Uh, but my, my point here is don't, you know, people tell you you're not going to make a living with your guitar or you're not going to be able to be whatever it is you want to be. You can't be a chef. You can't be a, a, an accountant. I mean, a, you know. Yes, accounting is a good profession, son, but you're not very good at math. I mean, well, okay, maybe you can overcome that. Many years ago, Paul McCartney auditioned for a boys' choir. The director said, I don't think you should be doing any of the singing. <laughs> See, that kind of stuff is so fabulous, isn't it? I don't, we won't put Paul McCartney in the boys' choir. All right. Okay. That's your decision. Uh, thankfully, Paul McCartney didn't go home and think, well, I guess I, guess I can't do music. And I often wonder how many people there are who never fulfilled their dreams because somebody said something like that to them, and they quit. They gave up. Now, part of it is on the person who gives up, no doubt. But don't, don't let—I once was listening to an interview with Randy Bachman, and the person said to him, uh, what would you tell somebody, some young person who wants to be a rock and roll star like you and play the guitar? And, and he said, I would tell them not to try it. It's too hard. 
And he said, really? You would tell a young person that? And he said, yeah, the ones that are going to make it, do it anyway. <laughs> that's, let's do it anyway. I, and so that's who you have to be, I think. You have to be the person who's going to do it anyway. All right, I want to talk about this um, latest story here. Calls to keep warming centers open around the clock in Toronto have been growing, with community workers and medical providers saying the city policy to open them once temperatures reach minus 15 or minus 20 with a wind chill is cruel, not based on evidence, and could be causing preventable cold-related injuries. Dr. Nahid Dosani talked with CP24 and said this. Many people who experience homelessness, who are presenting to health care with uh, cold weather injuries, hypothermia, frostbite, swelling, infections, and the worsening of pre-existing illnesses. We're seeing more overdoses. We're seeing people suffering from a mental health perspective. And of course, many, many people are seeking warmth in the emergency departments and hospitals, the kind of hospital that I work in. Um, this is a really massive issue that's affecting people and it's not just a healthcare issue it's a human rights issue and that's how we need to see this okay uh it gets a little sketchy when you start talking about what people have the right to when uh what they want and what they may need is at the demand of someone else to pay for it but uh but that said minus 15 does seem a little chilly to say it's time for a warming center like once it gets below freezing you would think that's time for a warming center. I'm getting to something else you might not have thought of about this story, though, in a moment. But I want you to hear from another person who spoke with CP24, activist Diana Chan McNally. We're talking about those additional spaces throughout the shelter system. Uh, is this permanent? Is Why couldn't have we have done this earlier? Uh, we had someone who froze to death on Christmas Eve. Why couldn't have we leverage those spaces prior? Um, it smacks to me of trying to placate advocates like myself and not about a long-term, consistent, reliable strategy for people who are unhoused. Okay, um, but here's the thing. What we need are more spaces. Apparently, there's a crisis of getting people into shelters, regardless of the weather. We have um, what some people are calling a homeless crisis with so many people out on the street. But here's something I learned just recently. 2,500 people. I got this from a very reliable source within City Hall. 2,500 people are loose on the streets in Toronto in need of shelter that came across Roxham Road into this country. They are not actually refugees. That's what people call them, refugees. But you can't be a refugee from the United States. You can be a refugee from Syria or Ukraine or somewhere else. But once you get to a safe country, and the United States would be one of those countries, you're just anti-American if you disagree with that, um, then you're, you're safe. And so coming over into Canada, you're no longer a refugee. You're a person who just decided to come to Canada. And that problem is not going to get better because I was just reading this morning from the New York Post. This is shocking to me, but apparently it's happening. In New York City, the taxpayers are now footing the bill for bus tickets for anybody who wants to leave New York City and go to Canada. So they will buy you the ticket. The National Guard is helping put this together. It's what the New York Post says. And, and they'll put you on a bus and send you up to Roxham Road, where you can walk into Canada 
and where the prime minister has told the people of Quebec, don't worry about them coming into Quebec, we're going to send them to Toronto. And apparently he's done that to the point where there are 2,500 so-called refugees in need of shelter in Toronto. So the country, the federal government has let them in, but has not given them uh, any kind of support, a place to stay. They don't have a sponsor like Ukrainian refugees. Refugees often do. There's no, there's no person responsible for them. They're just brought in, shipped over to Toronto somehow, and the federal government is expecting the city of Toronto to look after them. So the activists can get as angry as they want at the city of Toronto, and they do want to get angry. But are we supposed to accept that without at least... How about we don't have the argument about whether or not they're refugees, whether or not they have the right to be here, whether or not they need shelter... Who should pay for it? Shouldn't the federal government be sending a big whack of money to the city of Toronto if the city of Toronto taxpayers are supposed to be responsible for looking after 2,500 extra people? I think so. Jerry Agar in here for John Moore this week. He's on vacation. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Well, let's talk about those trees at Osgood. Apparently, uh, Metrolink sent some people out there early Saturday morning and actually started the tree removal process. And then somebody noticed that, somebody who's all upset about it, and they managed to get an injunction. And Metrolink didn't start soon enough, I guess, um, and didn't do the Mr. T thing. You know what I mean by that? There's a suburb north of Chicago called Lake Forest, and you got to have money to live in Lake Forest. It's a very well-to-do neighborhood. And Mr. T lived there. And Mr. T wanted to make some changes on his property and cut the trees down. And as in Toronto, for some reason, the community has taken ownership of the trees on private property. And uh, they told him he couldn't. But he's Mr. T. So he's got a chainsaw. I want to cut him down and said, well, now what? <laughs> That's, that pretty much solved this problem. And, and from what I understand, there is, uh, there is a right on the part of the province to do what they want to do at Osgood with those trees. Now, I don't particularly understand why they say they have to do it. I don't. I confess. I've been trying to find out I mean, if they can't just burrow under and hook up to the Osgood station that's already there without taking all those trees down. But it would seem to me that the trees, uh, the trees are going to go. I, I could be wrong. I'm just telling you how this feels to me, that uh, ultimately those trees are going to go. And, you know, John Tory Jr., not the mayor, his son, John Tory Jr. was on with me on my show on Friday. We were talking about this issue. He's going to fill in for me coming up at noon along with Deb Hutton, or at nine to noon, uh, along with Deb Hutton. And he made a comment, you know, anybody listening to us right now is probably in a place where there used to be trees. And now there's a road or they have a house or whatever it is they have where there used to be trees. And I don't think Toronto is a city that is in danger of having all its trees disappear. We're not talking very many trees over at Osgood. This isn't about whether or not we need the trees. This is about 
aesthetics, right? It's about the way it looks. Yeah, they look nice. It's pretty. I get that. But what do you want? Because I'm, I'm guessing that the same people who are freaked out about the trees being taken down would also be people who would say, we really need transit. And it's these kinds of fights on and on and on and on about a few trees that keep us from getting transit on a, on a timely basis. Back when they built the first line, the first part of the Young Line, reading up on the history of transit in Toronto, so this is just after World War II, wasn't it? Where Here's what they did. They dug a big hole and what used to, Young Street disappeared. They just dug a big hole, a big long strip of a hole, and they put in the rails and they put in the station. They got all that done and then they put the dirt back over top, repaved it, put the sidewalks back in, and there you go. They were done. Apparently, that's a fairly quick way to do it. Not like Eglinton right now. I drove on Eglinton Friday night for the first time in a long time. Nick, don't you live up around um, where you, you, you would use Eglinton more than I would? Well, I avoided Eglinton for the longest time, and then I drove past uh, Duffin and Eglinton. I was like, oh, what a transformation, because now all the lanes are open, the construction's pretty much out of the way, and it's just a difference between day and night above ground. Below ground, we're not sure. Okay, but I don't care what's going on down there. I'm concerned about the businesses and the travel and all of that kind of stuff, and I haven't used Eglinton, you know, it feels like for years. And on Friday night, I went out to hear Bob Reed who you hear all the time on our radio station, uh, is in a band called TaylorMade, and they were playing Friday night. So I wanted to hear them, and I was east of Young. And I decided to go home just all along Eglinton, just to, because. And so, I wasn't in a hurry. And so, <laughs> thank God. And so I, even late in the evening, I got on Eglinton, and as I drove along, I thought, oh, my gosh, like, how long is this going to take? It's a disaster area in still in some places. Exactly. Uh, that one was only one area that, for the longest time, it was clogged up with construction, but yeah, around Allen Road yeah. and further east, it's a bit of a mess. Yeah, it, and uh, it's just taking so long to get that done, and there are all kinds of reasons, I suppose, but one of them is just the NIMBY people who, well, yeah, we want, we want uh, a subway, and I want to be close to a subway station, but don't do anything to bother me while you're building it. And the problem for businesses and for residents who want to move around, the longer these projects take, like happened with the St. Clair Street right away, what's going on in Eglinton now, is that it just takes so long. Everybody understands there's going to be disturbances when you try to do a big infrastructure project. But this has been, uh, this has been crazy, I think. And now it's this fight over those trees at Osgood. And... Um, I don't know how long the province will stand back and let it happen. They got an injunction, but in the long run, the judge doesn't run the city. The mayor doesn't even run the city. The province does. That's the, that's the way our system works. Uh, and so that's going to be you know interesting to watch. For another week, they can't do anything. Um, the injunction is till midnight Friday or something. Now, Greg wrote in on the text board here at 7-10-10 when I was talking about how if you've just joined me and this time of morning, lots of people getting up as every minute goes by, I was talking about some at City Hall wanting to 
declare homelessness a crisis in the city of Toronto, to have the warming centers open sooner, not when it gets to minus 15, but op just open all the time, and more access for people who are living on the streets in order to find the services that they need. And I pointed out that 2,500 people, and again, I have a very good source on this from City Hall, there are 2,500 people on the streets in Toronto in need of any kind of service that homeless people need who are, in fact, those so-called refugees who came across Roxham Road and then left Quebec and came to Toronto. 2,500 people. And that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, what does that do to city services when you get an extra 2,500 people who realistically shouldn't even be in the country? So I made the comment that the feds need to start sending money to Toronto. And Greg writes in and says, there's only one taxpayer. What does it matter who pays? It matters who pays because that cost should be amortized, not just for you and me and Greg, who wrote the text message, but for the people of Saskatchewan and Alberta and Quebec and all across the nation which makes it easier for the city of Toronto to get to its budget numbers, which it's having so much trouble with. That's how that looks to me. So yes, there's only one taxpayer, but if we got a bunch of money from the feds, it wouldn't just be entirely money coming back to Ontario. Now, um, coming up, Scott Reed's going to join me at 6.20. And you know, he's he used to work for a prime minister. He's in the business now of providing advice and help and support and, I don't know, an emotional shoulder or something for, uh, for the liberals. That's what he does. And he's furious at some of these liberals who are trying to recruit Green leader Mike Schreiner. And one of the people trying to do the recruiting wrote a letter in the Star, like why I signed off on this thing. And Scott's head's exploding. So if we can at least keep it in more or less the shape of Ed until 620, he's going to join us. And I'm really looking forward to that conversation. That's The Breakfast Wrap for Monday, February 6th. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts and listen weekday mornings from five to nine on news talk 1010